Welcome to Foreground, a podcast about art and artists. In this episode, Foreground's Barbara Flommer interviews Suzanne Muchnick, author of Lacma So Far, A Portrait of a Museum in the Making. In this book, Muchnick draws on decades of experience as a Los Angeles Times arts writer to relate the complicated story of how the Los Angeles County Museum of Art emerged as the largest art museum in the Western United States. How did this come to pass? How did this come to pass? <laughs> I mean, is, was this I, a continuation of Norton Simon? In a way. I first had the idea of doing this book, and frankly, a friend actually said, oh, you know, you've done Norton Simon now, you should do Lackman. I thought, really? And then, <laughs> yeah, But it did plant the idea, and this was, you know, many years ago, and I continued to think about it. And then eventually... You know, when I really had time to do it, I must have known I was going to do it because when I left the Times, there was a lot of stuff I did not take home with me, a lot Sorry. of files that I dumped out, but I saved my life. <laughs> did you? <laughs> not that I couldn't have reconstituted sure, a lot sure, of that, but, but I, I oh, had some idea that yeah. I was going to do something with right, LACMA. Right. And then, truth to tell, LACMA, for better or for worse, and for all the complaints any of us might have about it, it seems so important to Los Angeles and so central to the cultural community. It's our big, publicly funded art museum and the biggest of its kind in the West, all of those things that are said about it. And there was nothing that told the whole story, right. even the 50 years that is now being celebrated. And there's 50 years before that. Right. So I really wanted to tell the whole story and because I love finding out, well, how things get to be where they are. And um, I had followed, of course, a lot of that story just on the job at the L.A. Times. And frankly, when I started at the L.A. Times, if I said to my colleagues or Paul or anyone, oh, I'm going to the museum they knew what I meant. Oh, <laughs> even though, even at that time, oh, the late funny. 70s, oh, there were other museums. Of course. But yeah. the Getty didn't have its fortune yet. It hadn't expanded. Moby right. didn't exist. Right. Uh, you know, oh, that's funny. The, the hammer, hammer didn't, didn't exist. exist. Oh, that's funny. Right. And it was either the Huntington the, or LACMA, Huntington basically. or LACMA. When Norton Simon did exist. Did it? That, okay. that started, yeah, that was, was up and running, but it was so kind of private and insular that... So it always was important to me. But I think the main thing was I felt that there really should be a book such as this that is it's very concise. It really smashes together a lot of information in, a, you know, 200 pages, I think it is. But I wanted something that I hoped would be readable and that would convey, you know, that story. And then I hope that other researchers and writers will say, well, gee, she didn't say much about this. And then, you know, go and poke into it and, right, and develop. Right. There's so many themes that could be developed that I didn't. Right. From start to finish, how long did it take? It's a little hard to say. I, I definitely two years. I believe it stretched into three years, but with long pauses. And I was not working on it nonstop. Right. Initially, I was just churning around and seeing, well, right. how can I go about this? And the first things I did once I got serious were to go to Michael Govan, director of LACMA, and Jane Paisano, the director of the Natural History Museum, because what I really wanted to do was an independent project. Mm -hmm. 
but I needed access to the archives. Right. So that's asking a lot. It is. And I didn't know if they would be okay with that. And uh, I also wanted to be sure nobody else was crazy yeah, we're working <laughs> on this project. So uh, I found that, you know, nobody was. Uh, that was not a big surprise. But they were both fine with having me, you know, have access to the, to right. the archives, right. and which means... It's not just my time, but it's staff time involved, sure. you know. Sure. Somebody has to be there digging Pulling up the files. things you're looking for right. and, and you know, scheduling appointments and, and all of that. And then and with photographs, too. I mean, there were many people. So really, but of course, I didn't want anyone looking over my shoulder or right. having any kind right. of editorial control. Right. And they did not, and they never asked for it. Wow. Which it's is amazing. very well illustrated. It's quite interesting. I mean, some of those photographs I'd never seen. That was, um, it was really fun for me. That For me, really, it was, well, I found the most discoveries, of course, were in the early parts, because I didn't know that part of the story yeah, very much at all, yeah, just yeah, in a right. very sketchy way. Right, right. What were the biggest stumbling blocks? I mean, did you find that there were people who wouldn't talk to you or... No, I think the great difficulty of books like this is that some of the people you want to talk to are no longer alive. Right, sure. So, I right. mean, that's a given, but, you know, they do, they do die. And fortunately, I had a lot of, you know, old interviews and some of those people I couldn't go back to and ask them for an update or, you know, mm-hmm. what their current thinking was. In many cases, though, I like the fact that interviews were from that period because it's what people were thinking of at the time. Right. And what they said at the time. So that was a problem. And then I guess otherwise it was just my own wrestling with how to go about it. I often thought that I should be more creative in the structure and maybe I should come up with a way of approaching it, you know, through the collections or through the buildings or through the people or the director or something. And yet I almost felt I had to do essentially a march through history with you know, thematic chapters within that because it simply hadn't been done. I think it does give, you know, the uninitiated or even the initiated a real sense of how things actually fell into place. Because some of that I knew and some of it I didn't know. And it it was really interesting to me to have that experience. So I think the linear approach really worked well. It just seemed in a way the not maybe not the only option, but the only manageable one in the way that would be most helpful. And I like to think I've made a contribution in doing that. So whether one likes, you know, various aspects of the book, you know, maybe not, but I hope that overall, you know, this, the kind of skeleton is there Mm -hmm. so others can dig into it. Right. You know, you talk about the directors at LACMA, they've had seven is it seven or eight? Ooh, let's see. I think <laughs> well, they, that sounds right. <laughs> I think they've had seven directors, yeah. and they've all been very different, mm-hmm. very, very different. And yet, with a few exceptions, it seems like they all pushed this rock up the hill, no pun intended, mm-hmm. somewhat successfully. Who do you think is – well, I'm presuming you think Michael has made – perhaps the biggest contribution, but maybe I'm wrong about that. Who do you think has made, which directors were the most important to LACMA? Wow. You know, they were important in different ways. That is a really, that's a tough one to answer. And Michael's tenure, although he's been there now, I guess, about seven years. Ten years in April. Ten years. Ten years in April. Next April will be ten years. Yeah. So I do think that he's made a, you know, created a revolution in a way. And it's certainly a made a lot of uh, very notable changes, perhaps more so than anyone else, but he had to have 
what the others did before him right. in order to do that, and right. he's the first to say that. So, you know, in the very early days, and very briefly, Rick Brown was real, you know, visionary, and but he, you know, he got pushed out right. in less than a year. I know, it's And crazy. he was very, very important in the making of the place initially. Right. I mean, I think eventually, I suppose it would have come to that, right. but, but maybe, I, I don't know, it could have taken much longer. Right, right. And then Ken Donahue was there for 13 years, I believe, a long tenure, and he did hold things together, and there was progress, but he was not a visionary by any means and was very much, you know, under the thumb of the board. He seemed like a shrieking violet yeah, sort of guy. very much, and not sociable. He, I mean, he was a sweet man, but he didn't, and a scholar, but he he didn't enjoy the social part of it. He was not, you know, in touch with the people he needed to be in touch with to really push it forward in right, a big way. Right, right. So he was not an ideal person. He held it together, but he wouldn't be first on my list. Mm. And then Rusty Powell was really important as just giving people a sense of new blood and energy and youth and, you know, the building boom, for better or worse. (laughs) But that was very important, and it it lit a fire under LACMA and in the public eye, I think, was really important. And then there was the, the tough period that you were part of, yes. and you know how that, that was. Yeah, yeah that, so, there were some um, changes. But, you know, Rusty is interesting to me. I never worked with Rusty. In fact, I've only met Rusty, I think, twice in my whole life. But it seems to me that he had, he brought, you may disagree with this, and I may be wrong, but it seems to me he brought like an East Coast sensibility, and he found a way to make it palatable mm-hmm. to the West Coast mm-hmm movers and shakers, I thought he really, it was interesting the kind of relationships he was able to build for the museum, which resulted in buildings getting built and the whole campus changing and expanding and what have you. But, you know, do you think he ultimately just got tired or was it just the National Gallery was too big of a opportunity? I, I think it was both really. It'd be interesting to know, had he stayed another five years, ten years, you know, would that have continued? There was something he said in in the interview for this book that made me realize that maybe, you know, not he so much was losing his steam, but maybe the the people who backed him were kind of losing their steam because they'd lost interest in really finishing that that building project. Right, right. And something else I was going to say, what was that? Um... National Gallery? National Gallery, yeah. I mean, that was a very strong pull. He'd come from there, and I I think that was, you know, so seductive that he really did want to do that. One of the things that was interesting from the perspective of Los Angeles, for me, was the Annenberg tour. And as you note in the book, Mr. Annenberg's family was from Philadelphia, where I'm from, and and then, you know, the tour was the National Gallery, not the sort National Gallery met uh, Philadelphia and LACMA. And, of course, being from Philadelphia, I wanted it for us. And we had this whole scheme already planned that we were going to have more French Impressionism than you could find in France yeah. if we had gotten the collection. But I really was of the opinion, even before I ever knew I was going to live in California, that was that if you were going to make an impact on an existing collection, LACMA was the one that would have most benefited from from that gift. And I know he said strength to strength is why he gave to the Met, but, you know, I don't know. It it really could have changed 
Lachman's life. I mean, it could have been the destination. And I was thinking about all, you know, all the scandals about the the lost collections. But if all those collections had come to Lachman, would it have been comparable to a East Coast Museum, do you think? If they'd gotten the Hammer and the Norton Simon and the Annenberg would yeah. they have been a competitor? And Aaronsburg. And Aaronsburg. Yeah. Oh, that's a story. But, yes, yes, yeah. yes. I, I think they would. I mean, no, you know, every museum is different, as you well right. know. Right. So no one can have, you know, be a duplicate of another. But it would have had real weight, you right. know, much, much earlier. And, I mean, just any one of them. The hammer, not so much. I mean, right. that wasn't a great collection, but it, it, there was it would have been. There were some it, great things yeah, in it. right. But the the Simon was a huge loss, right. and uh, Annenberg. That's a smaller group of things, but Important. fabulous, and, right. and the kind of thing that people love to go see. So, I actually, I mean, you're absolutely right that it's Lachman that would have profited most from it. Mm. I, you know, sitting where I was, I never really thought that Lachman had a chance at it. I oh, just, well, I I just assumed that they really didn't. And right. so I was happy to hear from Rusty that they had made a serious effort. Right. See, I wasn't right. sure that they'd really made a strong oh, effort. Oh, that's interesting. And, oh, okay. I mean, so effort. that was not publicized with the pitch they made no, for that collection? No, I never knew that. And he told me, he was, you know, told me about this letter and that I, you know, could probably find it. And sure enough, I did once I knew it existed. It was a beautiful letter. Yeah, and there's even more of it. I kind of oh, wanted exactly. to the, I kind of wanted to put the whole thing in, but then I thought to put too much in. I don't know. Right. Yeah, I trimmed it down because it was in the scheme of this book. You right. know, if it went on for pages, but yeah, he did a beautiful job, and they really did try. But yeah, it's a shame, and I don't know how these. I just always thought that Anna Berg would give it, you know, to the mat. You did. Yeah. Uh, you see, and I thought that. The National Gallery in Philadelphia had a better shot because I did think that it was going to get lost at the Met. And I don't know that it is lost at the Met. I mean, no, it's a pretty fabulous collection. Well, and they do have it corralled yes. into its own galleries. But, you know, and that's such a huge museum that it doesn't, right. doesn't you know. Well, you know, it. it's a destination. And yeah. I think that's just as Aaronsburg is in Philadelphia yeah. for people who are Dada freaks and oh, yeah. who love Marcel and all those kids. uh People do come from around the world. Oh, I'm just sure seeing they do. the Tondo sure and all do, of that. Yeah. So it's, it is interesting. Do you think, what can you say to me? I mean, when you look at the big, and for want of a better way of characterizing it, the big disappointments, with the exception of Aaronsburg, there are all these, my description, and I've got to be careful about what I say here, but they seem to be these high powered, egomaniacal men. Yeah who really want control, and it seems like the more the museums, and LACMA in particular, gave them control, the less Mm -hmm. respect they got, and the the fewer collections they got. What is that? You know, I don't suppose we'll ever know, but it seems like there are a lot of factors that come to bear, and and part of it, I think, is just, you know, the youth of the museum, the youth of Los Angeles, the lack of a tradition of cultural philanthropy, part of it's that. Part of it is, uh, as corny as it may sound, just L.A. is maybe, I don't know, as much so now, but has been a place where people come to do things their way and to often reinvent themselves or invent themselves and be in charge. And so it's tough to get them to 
think of the public good or what right. you know what they can give back. It's it just hasn't been a way of thinking. And whether at the same time, I mean, I think we can say all these things about these big, powerful men who just have to have their own stuff and, and try to control it to right, the nth right, degree. Right. I mean, who's to say, though, if there had not been really stronger leadership mm. for the museum, could there have been the right leader who could have talked right, them right, into this? Right. I think maybe so, but I don't know. But not in every case. No, know? I mean, certainly it seems to me that the strongest leader, and again, this is because I, I know him, is Michael, Yeah, historically, if right. you look at the historical perspective. And he couldn't keep Mr. Broad no. corralled. No. And nor do I think anybody no. really can. Mm-hmm. But Norton Simon, and uh, having read your book on Norton oh. Simon. But he was impossible. He was know? impossible. He was completely impossible. John Walsh told me, John Walsh, who used to be the director of the Getty, said, and was a hiking buddy of mine, told me that when he was in New York and in Boston, that Norton Simon would call him at dinner hour okay. and keep him on the phone. And I think this is in your book as well. And keep him on the phone for hours. I didn't know picking, he did that to John, too. But he, he did picked just, his brain constantly. I know. And I guess people went along with hopes that this was a long-term that. relationship and that they could influence the final disposition yeah. of the collection, and not they, knowing as nobody ever does, that it's going to end up being no, what it was. No, he did that to everyone, and then he'd go off and you know make his own decision. But based on all sort of, and I remember asking him about that, he said, well, they had the information, and I needed the information. <laughs> I mean, why wouldn't I do that? They had it. I wanted it. <laughs> Give it to me. Oh, oh that is funny. Oh, Isn't that is it? funny. That is I funny. I know. He was just, you know. I mean, I only met him late in life, so right. he was not a wild man by then. But right. yeah, and, and you source. read, I mean, God, there are, I still have copies of, you know, some things of research from the Norton Simon Museum, and they're these, they're like legal pads, you know, I have pages and pages of handwritten things, and I don't think it's his handwriting. I think right. It was, so, his, it was Robbie McFarlane who right. was doing all this stuff for him, but all the suggestions that he had for the museum, I mean, such as, Find a new architect and start from scratch. This is after they already had a building. <laughs> and then, you know, on down. But, you know, there's also, to some degree, a level of ceremony yeah. with these guys that is oh, a mystery yeah. to me. Well, there is. Yeah, absolutely. And, I, you know, when you've got a billion dollars, what difference does $5 million mm-hmm. make, really? I know. I know. And I've especially thought that in, in terms of Broad, and I guess because... He's the one I know the best. Right, I mean, I, right, I've right. met them all, but he's right. the one I've known over a long period of time right. when he's been wheeling and dealing. And as he's gotten into, you know, more philanthropy, and he's given a huge amount of money. Absolutely. He's, he's enormously generous. But yet you have this feeling he's always holding back or he's always being stingy. And And then I've said this a few times. I said, you know, it seems like a tragedy or something and people say oh come on you think he wants to be liked he doesn't want to be liked. doesn't oh that's doesn't interesting care. oh that's interesting well you know and, and my friend melody Kanchet said to me that she said that she thinks that eli brode loves the art of the deal yeah and it's all and that's the fun part oh, for yeah, him yeah and that he really 
Yeah. He really likes that part. And oh, so it's, yeah. it's interesting. And that I that's, think those guys, I mean, certainly Norton signed. He did too. Oh. Totally, yeah. And what about Mr. Hammer? What was he like? Well, I just have no respect for him. In the first place, I think he used art. I don't think, I mean, they, they all do, I suppose, in a way. But he did, I think, so much just to polish his business interests right. and run it around the world and, and do good for you know various people in the companies where he was right. selling oil or whatever. I mean, it was just blatant. Right. And he didn't seem to have any, I mean, maybe it had some interest in art, but he certainly didn't have much taste or do much about, right. you know, right. any building anything with any kind of, you know, vision or sensibility. And I mean, Norton Simon's collection is eclectic, but in a really interesting kind of way. Well, and there's not just, a dog. Well, there might be a dog. Oh, there one must be one somebody, you but know, yeah, there yeah. aren't many. I mean, it's, no, it's like I mean, the Kimball. It's pretty much I perfect. Know. It's really good. And, and then, I mean, he went to, so you know, these stories, but the business of, of the Domiers. Right. Oh, oh, my God. I mean, that's reprehensible. It is and reprehensible. See, I, I agree. And I find it really, really, what do I want to say? Worrisome's far too soft, but mm. reprehensible that in most cases, these guys are on the board of trustees. Oh, I know. Now, that to me, I mean, if you're Joe Blow and you're shopping your collection all around the country, well, fine. I mean, yeah, everybody whatever. knows what you're up to. Right. But if you sit on the board of, a, of trustees at a major institution, you have a major collection, you're not maybe obligated to give the whole thing to the museum, but you're obligated to support in a substantial way and, and give I agree. a chunk of it, something well, meaningful. Or at least be honest enough to or, say, or to say I'm not going to give it I'm to you, but I'll give you $10 million or whatever right, the deal and is. And go into it that way right. so it's known. Yeah, yeah. But uh, and, there was and, a lot of double deal, and and Broad just you know switched and okay. Well, he did the, the, the Mocha too. Yeah. Well, he he left Mocha in a huff. He oh, gave yeah. a million dollars and came to Lacma. Yeah, and then he got mad at Lacma and he went back to Mocha. Right, right. Yeah. What do you think would have happened if Mocha and Lacma had come together and become oh, a joint museum? Gosh, I wasn't actually for that. Not that it couldn't have worked. I mean, it could have been a great good thing, maybe for both. I mean, right. why not? It right. could have been okay. I guess I do like the idea that L.A. is big enough to have a variety of museums, and I like the fact that they kind of each have their right. personalities. I mean, it, I wish LACMA had been stronger and could have, you know, garnered some of these collections right. initially, because some of the things that went to MoCA, of course, right. could well have and should have gone to right. Lacma. Right. No, absolutely true. So it's really hard to say. I don't know that that was ever a real possibility. I don't know how seriously that was taken up by both, you know, both sides. I don't know. I think it was pretty serious. But Mocha has such a great, great collection. It does. It really does. does. And that, that would have been a huge a coup for LACMA. bonus yeah. to LACMA. Right. And I, I wouldn't have been madly opposed to it. I just was never really enthusiastic about it because I, I wanted... I wanted Mocha to continue to be great yeah, in its yeah, way yeah, and, right, and right, Rachman to, right, you know. Right. Well, I mean, and as it turns out, that's happened. So that yeah. this is, you know, they have their own personalities and collections, and Mocha's collection is, you know, fantastic. It and, really is, um, yeah. And I think their new director, Philip Verne, yeah. is that how you pronounce it, is um, 
I mean, I don't know him at all. I've never even met him, but I think he's quietly doing a very nice job. He's yeah. I I've only met him, but it's very personable and seems very good and very well respected. Mocha's awfully quiet. It is quiet. I worry about them, but I do think they have good people there now. He and Helen Molesworth, I think, is very interesting. Yeah, I I interviewed her. She's the real deal. Yeah, Yeah, really interesting. So if they can, you know, if they're just working quietly to get things in order and that's good. And I hope that they can, because they had such a great, you know, reputation for exhibitions. I mean, it bankrupted them in the end, right. but, or almost. But, but they need they need some of that. But Well, do you think they're in a quiet phase so that they are not in competition for attention with the Broad? That they're letting the Broad have this six-month six or whatever period to sort of get Which going? Which is just as well, because, you know, you're not going to compete. He's got such a marketing budget that oh. it's... God. Well, that's another story we'll talk about offline. But what do you think European museums, or Europeans in general, but European museums think of LACMA? Does it have an international reputation? I think more. I think it's gradually getting one, but yeah, that's a good question. I'm not sure I... It's funny because I feel like Mocha's got a profile mm-hmm. internationally. More but so I, than, yeah. And the Getty does, but... It's funny, the Getty is a destination for, and I'm not belittling this, but for tourists. Yeah. You know, it's sort of a, a checklist well, item and, more and, than appreciating the collections. And it's a draw because for scholars and so on because they'll come for the research institute right, and right. they'll come for other right, things. Right. So, yeah. But it's funny, I don't think LACMA. No, it's has not on that. that. No. No, it doesn't have that. I think it's becoming better known. But And actually, the Norton Simon is better known, probably, to European. Yeah, deservedly yeah. so. Yeah, yeah, so fantastic. I mean, that's often been said and, you know, from various people. They, they knew more about that and came there, you know, as a destination. Well, next to the Kimball, it's probably, in terms of collections, it's probably yeah. the best museum west of Mississippi, in terms of collections, I mean, right. in terms of size right. or anything else, no, but no. it's unassailably good quality. Yeah, uh, yeah. yeah. And it's, it's a funky little building. Well, and, it is. And, you never, know, never <laughs> built for, well, it was built to be a museum, but, you know, never, right. never a great building. No. It's but, yeah, it's, I don't know, for me, I think it's a good size, too. I like buildings. Yeah. I like things that you kind of, you know, do. feel like you. Yeah. yeah even though I don't necessarily go around and see everything every time I go, but one can. Yes. It's, yeah, you, two hours, you can see everything. If you're serious, you can spend three hours, but basically yeah. it, it doesn't take forever to do it. What do you think about the Zoom tour concept? Well, you know, I'm so confused by that because I feel that I don't know what he's up to now. There have been three, what I know of is three different iterations. Right quite different each one and I don't know if he's now continuing to work on the third one or if there's a whole new one that I just don't even know about I mean the book of course had the text had to stop you know it's like a year ago or something before you know there's a long time to get it edited and printed and all that so I knew going in that I wouldn't you know, can never be up to date but I felt even the initial exhibition that was you know, thrown together and Zoom tour did rush to, he was asked, you know, with not much notice to come up with those 
models and right, so on right. of the initial plan. And I found that very unsatisfactory. I had a hard time visualizing right. what that was going to look right. like or feel like and seemed kind of messy and dark. Right. I don't know what. And then, as you know, that went away right. or it changed. The, yes, the, it's been the organic thing went over Wilshire Boulevard, but it was a little bit constrained. And then the most recent thing, which now is not recent at all, that I basically read in the newspaper was a much more compact and angular right. kind of design right. that still retained the bridge. Right. But I don't know. So I don't right. know what I think. Well, it's interesting to me because Joseph Giovannini, did you read that? Who is a well-known architecture critic right. and uh, the editor, I think, of Architecture Today? Actually, I'm not sure. Well, anyway, that. but he wrote an in-depth really, really tough, yes. as you know. And yes. he had a lot of, lot of criticisms about just practical matters like yes. storage, and there's no way to display it all. And, you know, that you know, he had a lot of complaints. So, you know, part of me thinks, and having worked on the Peterson mm. for the last year, that, you know, here's a little auto museum that with $90 million dollars, completely redid itself inside and out mm-hmm. on time and on budget. And right. I think LACMA is going to need three quarters of a billion dollars to get that building built yeah. just to get it built. Yeah. And then they've got to endow it. And I think it's runs the risk of becoming dated in 50 mm-hmm. years and they're going to have to tear it down. Right. You know, yeah. so, I mean, that doesn't, to me, doesn't inspire confidence long-term. Right. But right. Um, I think there are a lot of doubts about it, but it's so troubling that uh, just, I mean, maybe I could know more than I do know, you know, but I stopped kind of asking questions at the time that my text was due. But I just feel that, it, you know, it keeps evolving and evolving. And I don't know, you know, whether those problems are going to be really addressed or not. I mean, I do feel strongly that something has got to be done about the architecture, that the old buildings are... We're never in, any good. In parts in really right. bad shape. Right. And then there's, you can't get back to the original three because they've been so altered that that would be. Well, they're the practical and, and matters, plus too. They're, they're not, yeah. yeah. I mean, they're not great buildings anyway. Right. But it does seem that something could be done to tie together, you know, what is there right. and to build, you know, new portions and so on. And something that would not be so costly and so kind of fraught with possible right. really serious problems. Right. Do you think the um, cool house design would have worked? I mean, aside from the fact that they would have had to close for two or three yeah. years, which no museum yeah. wants to do. I mean, it's hard enough to build a base and then to close it down. Look at what San Francisco is going through with the oh, SF yeah. MoMA. It's oh, not yeah. good. And they open, I guess, this coming year, but they've lost their audience. Yeah. You got to start all it's over really again. Hard. It's from ground zero. Yeah. So, you know, I get why cool houses plan didn't go through, but I thought it was an interesting design. It's a very, yeah, it was fascinating design. And, and I had trouble ever imagining, I could imagine it as an exhilarating experience and a new approach and a new way to look at the, you know, to reorganize right. the collection. Yeah. Yeah. I appreciate that part of it. I wasn't sure that there was going to be enough space or to really accommodate the collection, all of its, you know, differences. I mean, it, well, museums can only have a snapshot, really, I guess, of right. what they believe in the mat, you know, right, a tiny right. portion right. of what's on view. Right. 
But well, it, but it, I thought the concept of the timeline seeing right. what was happening in Japanese Indian like uh, Western that. art all at the like same time was, was interesting. I like that very much. And if you profess to be an encyclopedic museum, that's something you should think about. Absolutely. What was happening? I mean, right. that's, there's that book, uh, 12, Oh, 1490, 1490, which talks about all the things that are happening when Columbus set sail, or 1492, when yeah. Columbus set sail, and yeah. all the things that are going on all over the world. So, no, you know, I, I mean, I it was a good concept. And I frankly don't know. I may be remiss, but I don't know of any museum that really does that well, an art museum, in that way. I don't know. I don't either. I don't either. I've had the sense that the Zoom Tour design has some of that goal in mind in terms of how things might be arranged, right. but, but I'm not I'm not sure. I just feel so uncertain. I, I wish that we knew. I mean, I guess there's maybe a reason we don't know more. It's well, being could be. kept quiet. But. Well, it's interesting. I saw his um, Cologne project, mm-hmm. uh, which is the excavation of a, and I'm going to get this wrong, I think a Roman building, and then he has this sort of transition he does through the ages, and you end up with a very modern experience but it, it was it was really interesting and beautifully done yeah but that was a very small yeah project and this is a massive project he's not known for big buildings he's like never this, made so a that's, big building. that's um a worry too you know just um really fabulous very special small ones whether you could bring that same aesthetic you know to and right. to a really large enterprise I don't know. I hope so. I mean, I just do think that at this point in time, well, any point, but LACMA deserves to have a great building, whatever that means. But, I mean, great principally in accommodating the art and the people. I think now it it is really difficult for people to navigate. It's confusing. Well, it's all over the place. It's all over the place, and it's confusing. They work very hard at trying to make it accessible, Yes. And it's just the reality fights them. Yeah, yeah. But it's still a great, I mean, I'm showing my prejudice, but I think it's still a great museum. Oh, it is, absolutely, and, and what goes on there. And, and it's thrilling to go and these days and see it so busy and so well-attended. And Yeah, their attendance is great. Yeah, yeah. yeah. So. They're engaged. They're really engaged. So yeah. I think it would be interesting if the Zoom tour was built though I personally don't like that design, but you know, let's say it was built that with the uh, Renzo Piano Oscar Museum and the new Petersen's now yeah. open, it would be an interesting architectural study for somebody. It would really, it would it really, really would. This concludes the foreground podcast. Find other podcasts in the shelf media podcast network at shelfmediagroup.com.